Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. I want to make a statement, and I think you'll agree with me, but, and it's actually uh, it's an understatement, but um, to say that our world has an identity crisis would be an understatement. Do you agree with that? We really don't know who we are. There are people, right, right, trying to identify who they are. You've got men trying to identify with women, women who say they identify as men. I'm told that today there are, they've listed 112 different genders, like, I don't want to be insensitive, but that seems like lunacy to me. But what do I know? I'm not a biologist, right? <laughs> but it's not just a gender identity. That's not really where we're going. It's not just a gender identity. I wish it were that easy, but it's not because most of us really at our core, we don't know who we are. If I were to ask some volunteers to come up here and I would and I just ask the question, who are you? We would probably have some answers, but I don't know that would really tell us who we are. Like most of us, if I, if I was brought up on this stage and said, who are you? The first thing I would say would be my name, right? I'm Greg Orham. And that, that, that isn't really who I am. That, that might identify me in some way. That's my name, but that's not who I am in here, right? That's just a name. The second thing I might do is then I'd start trying to give a description of who I am. I'm Greg Orham. I'm six foot two, weigh 220 pounds. And, Hey, don't laugh. I identify as an NFL linebacker, okay? I'm just saying. But I would give my physical description, right? Like my driver's license information, and that would, that's not who I am. That's a description of me. It's not who I am. Probably then the next thing we do is we just start talking about what we do. I'm Gregor Ham. I'm a pastor, or I'm an electrician, a plumber, or a teacher, or a homemaker, or whatever I am, because... We're trying to find this identity, but that really doesn't tell us who we are. That just tells us what we do. Some people would say, well, unfortunately, a lot of us would do this. When asked, who are we, we would give our name, and then we'd start giving some mistakes of our past or what some other people have said about us to try to give us our identity. And I'm so thankful that God doesn't do that to us, that God doesn't identify us by our past, by our mistakes, by, by what others say about us. God has this own thoughts about us, and that's what really matters at the end of the day, is what Jesus says about us. That's where we find our identity. But the problem for most of us, the reason we don't know who we are, and, and the reason that people are trying to find themselves, and the people don't understand their purpose in life, is because they really are looking through the wrong mirror. The series is called Through the Looking Glass. And in this series, we're really talking about trying to find, discover our identities in Christ, and, and talk about some things that for a lot of us, we wrestle with. Today, again, we're going to really try to figure out who we are. And, uh, and, and, and one of the mistakes we make is that we turn to the wrong mirrors. We, we're looking through the mirror of what others say, the mirrors through of our accomplishments, the mirror, whatever those mirrors are, but they're distorted mirrors and they don't tell the truth. They, there's like going to the county fair and going to the fun house and you see those distorted mirrors. You know what I'm talking about where they purposely distort those mirrors so when you stand in front of them, it's kind of you get a funny reflection of yourself. It's not the true image and you know that so it doesn't bother you so much. In fact, you, 
I, I don't know about you, but I've stood in front of those mirrors, and you look in one of them, it's got that wavy look to it, and you look at yourself, and you're short and squatty, and it's really funny because you know you don't look like that, but you, but, so you can kind of enjoy it, or you go to the next one, and now you're tall and skinny, and you, and you laugh because you know you don't really look like that because you understand that's a distorted image, and when some of us look in our mirrors, and we go, who am I? We have all the distorted ideas, and what we need to do is say, what does God say about me? Who am I really at my core, and how does God see me? Well, that's kind of what we're going to try to look at today. And and what I'm going to do is I I want to do this kind of in three parts. I'm I'm going to talk about what not to do, what a lot of people try to do, and and that's not where you're going to find your identity. Then I'm going to talk about some things to do, and then I'm going to talk about where we find our identity. So we're going to kind of look at some different stories in Scripture, different people, and we're going to see if we, we can't try to nail this down a little bit because we do need to understand who we are. And so the first point, again, where you're not going to find your identity is you won't find your identity in external pursuits. You're not going to find your identity in external pursuits, but yet this is what most of us do. When we go out there, we're going to like, I'm going to find myself. What that really means is I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to try some things. I'm going to try to find, do some accomplishments, and I'm hoping somehow I'm going to stumble on my identity. I'm going to find this purpose. I'm going to find out who I am in all of this external stuff that I'm doing, and maybe I'll get lucky and figure that out. When I look at Scripture, one of the guys that comes to my mind who really struggled with this and this whole identity thing and, his, and, and accomplishments was the Apostle Paul. Now, I want to give you a kind of a brief history in case you don't know who this guy is. We refer to him as the Apostle Paul. His name was Paul, but before he was Paul, he was Saul. Now, it's hard to follow, I know that, but his name was Saul. And he basically had his life divided into two parts. His B.C. life, before Jesus, before Christ's life, and then his after Jesus life. And in, in this before Jesus life, he looked at things differently. He found his identity, or he tried to find his identity in his accomplishments, in external pursuits, in his pedigree, in his heritage, in his religion. He tried to find it in different ways. And then later, when he would realize, when he himself would have an encounter with Jesus, because up to this point, in his B.C. life, he was so adamant about his relationship with God. He was a Jewish man, and adamant about their relationship, but he looked at Christianity as this kind of this this, this thing that he, that he opposed and he wanted to destroy it and he was out there persecuting uh, Christians and having them arrested and killed and then he met Jesus himself, is radically changed, his heart was changed. And then his, his kind of his purpose changed, he began to not just, he wasn't lo, no longer trying to destroy the church, he was trying to build it up, he was starting new churches all over the world. He was preaching the gospel, got him thrown in prison where he wrote about a third of the New Testament. And then he would, he would reflect on that how he used to look at his life, like many of us do, is, is trying to find his, his identity in, in these external pursuits. And he would write about it later. And here's what he said in, in uh, Philippians chapter 3. And again, this is his life before meeting Jesus. And he's going to tell what he thought was important, where he thought he found his identity. And he says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. And basically, again, what he's doing, he's listing his accomplishments, his pedigree, and he's saying, look, before I knew Jesus, here's what I thought was important. Here's where I thought my identity was. I was was just like this 
really on fire Jewish guy persecuting the church. I was a member of the Pharisees. I, I, I demanded the strictest obedience to the law. I, I was that guy. And I thought that's where I found my identity. But later he's going to tell us that's not, and I'm going to get to that later. For some of you, that's what you're doing. You think if you get enough accomplishments or do these external things that somehow you're going you're to get that identity. So if, I, if I'm the salesman of the month, okay, I'll, I'll find my identity in that accomplishment, or I'll be the class valedictorian. I'll become a Hall of Fame athlete or CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Or so, I'm on this pursuit trying to find myself, trying to figure out who I am, and if I do enough stuff, that's how people identify me. And I'm telling you, that's not what you want to do. Because your accomplishments will be forgotten. And if you place your identity in your accomplishments, you'll be forgotten as well. I'm going to list some names, and you tell me if you know who these people are. Hugh S. Johnson. Mohammed Mossadegh. Harlow Curtis. Pierre Laval. Owen D. Young. Anybody know who those names are? Probably not. But let me tell you who they were. Every single one of those people were Time Magazine Person of the Year, which meant that at that particular year, that person was, according to the Time Magazine, the most important person on earth for something they had accomplished, and yet none of us didn't even know who they are. That's how fleeting this is when you chase those external pursuits. Some of us are living for the approval of others. We've done that all our lives, looking to find our identity in that. And we've tried to please our our parents and trying to find approval from a coach, a teacher, from a spouse, from a peer, and even from people we don't know. We're so hungry to find that identity, we're just out there trying to, hopefully someone will say that's who they are. But you'll never find it there. Identity is only found in Jesus. So you're not gonna find it in the external pursuits, and yet we're brainwashed to believe we will. So what should we do? Well, that's the second point, and this is kind of the next part of this, and that's if you want to figure out this identity thing, focus more on the inner you than the outer you. You got to focus more on the inner you than the outer you. Now think about that. The, the external pursuits, the accomplishments, that's all about the outer me. That's all... What we need to do, if I'm going to find my identity, my identity is who I am here, that's where I, so I've got, to, I've got to look at things a little differently. It, it's not so much working on the outer me, what everybody thinks I am, but the inner me, who I really am. All of us, listen, it doesn't matter who you are, all of us are custom designed, unique, one of a kind creations of God. Nobody is like you in this entire world, and nobody will ever be like you. There'll be some similarities, but you are unique. Your DNA is unique to you. There's nobody in the world. When God created us, he created us with that kind of, with that kind of uniqueness. And God loves us no matter what we've done, and God has this calling and purpose in our lives, and that's where you'll find your identity in him. So you've got you've to start on the inside, not the outside. Now let me give you a scripture here, because the outside, it's not to say the outside is not important. It is, but the inside's more important. Here's what, here's what Paul said in, in, uh, in 1 Timothy. Physical training is good, so it's fine to work on the outer you. You should. 
take care of yourself, take care of your health, present yourself well. That's important. We should do that. Physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. And basically what he's saying, look, go to the gym, work out, take care of yourself. That's good. That's fine. You should do that. But it's only temporary benefits from that in this lifetime. But later, you know, if if you work on the inner you, that pursuit of godliness, that has not only the benefits of now, but of eternal things. And that's really what it's all about. That's, that's where we need to find this, this, what we're talking about. Now, just think what, what, what our lives would be like if I spent as much time on the inner me as the outer me. Think about your life. How much, how much different would your life be if you spent as much or more time on the inner you than the outer you? Because I think a lot of our time is spent on the outer us. Would you agree? I mean, just think for a second what that would look like. In fact, um, I, I believe it would be quite different and I want to, get, I want to give you a little um, a quiz here. And I want you to kind of, in your mind, calculate some things. I want you to calculate the time you spend on the outer you, what other, what, how you're presenting yourself to everybody else. So think about it. You wake up in the morning. You get out of bed. You get the personal hygiene stuff going on. You get the shower, brush your teeth, floss your teeth, brush your hair, do all that stuff to look good, find your clothes, put on your clothes, you need some more clothes, shop for clothes, go to the gym, do this. It's, it's all about the outer you, and that's, that's good, it's fine. But now think about the inner you. And think about what would happen if I spent that much time on the inner me. Life would be different, wouldn't it? I mean, I, I think about what it would look like. if I, Let's just say during the course of a day, I, I, I don't know how that adds up to, just taking care of the outer me, probably a couple hours. What if I put that couple hours, I matched that with, with, the, with the inner me. And you go, what, what does that look like? How do you do that? Well, how about your time with God? Spending time every day reading scripture, praying for others. What about getting one of those groups we talked about where you can do life with other people or serving God in some capacity or sharing your faith with someone else? Just doing things that will build up the inner you because that's who you really are. And when you, when, you, when you focus a little differently, things will look a little differently. Now, I want to share a, a scripture here that I think a lot of people are familiar with because if, you've ever, if you're a mother, you probably got this on a Mother's Day card somewhere, okay? It's the Proverbs 31 woman, right? The virtuous woman. And um, it's, it's very uh, kind of famous, really, for, for this kind of thing. And, and, and what I want to show you on this is that this woman who has listed all these qualities of this woman, this virtuous woman, um, what really matters is her character, who she is inside. And, he, and here's what it says in Proverbs 31, verse 28 to 31. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in this world, but you surpass them all. Now watch this. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she's done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. Now, again, what you need to focus on on that is the reason she's these, this virtuous woman is not because of all that outer stuff. That's nice. Charm is deceptive, though, and beauty doesn't last. That's what it says. If you, once you get a little older and get up kind of over that, you know, you hit that uh, you know, past your prime thing, it's all downhill. 
I'm just I'm telling you, if you haven't hit your prime yet, you're one of those people haven't hit, you're going, it's going to be like this forever. It won't. That's where the mirror doesn't tell any lies, okay? I'm just telling you, you get in front of that mirror, and there's, there's bags and sags, and gravity takes over, and it's, 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 it's not a pretty thing. And the reason is because we know that we're kind of like, we're growing, and we hit our prime, we start going downhill, we're moving toward this end of life where we get to spend eternity, and that's why it's so important that we, we take care of eternity, right? But he says, that stuff, that other, outer stuff doesn't last. I mean, it's nice, but what really the reason she's this virtuous woman is because she's godly, because she takes care of the inner her. And I think, and this is what I'm saying, and this is how God looks at us, right? I mean, God doesn't really care that much about the outside. We're unique, as I said, and he, he kind of custom designed us, and we come in different shapes and sizes and, and colors and personalities and all that. That's, that's great. But what matters is in here, really. And when God looks at you, God doesn't see all the flaws, and God doesn't see all the mistakes, and God, doesn't see, God looks at in here. And that's the difference between God and others. And so God normally would choose people that nobody else would choose. Have you noticed that? You look at Scripture? It was like picking people like, what? Why would he pick him? Like, he doesn't have what we'd expect as, as, from the outer stuff. It doesn't look like they'd be qualified. Think of, let me give you an example of someone who really struggled with this whole idea of self-esteem, identity, who he was. And it's a guy in the Old Testament named Moses, another really important guy. And Moses had a really interesting life because he was a Hebrew, a Jewish, and in that time there was this genocide with all of the Jewish little boys and so his mother didn't want to see him die. His mom and dad put him on this little raft, and they sent him down the Nile River, and he gets picked up by Pharaoh's daughter, right? This is, I mean, the Egyptians are, are ruling in the world, and, and the Hebrews are slaves to the Egyptians, and, and here's Moses gets picked up as a little baby, and she takes him as her own, and he's raised in the palace with the Egyptians. This is like, this is, he's living his best life. But something inside is like, this isn't right. He realizes that I shouldn't be here. My fellow countrymen are out here, and they're being persecuted, and they're slaves, and, and I'm here enjoying the, in, the, in the lap of luxury, and, and I'm enjoying life. And one day, there's this confrontation between a Hebrew and a, an Egyptian, and the Egyptian is, is kind of beating up the Hebrew, and, and Moses can't take it anymore. He goes out there, he steps in the middle, and he kills the Egyptian, and now his life changes. And this guy, he goes on the run because Pharaoh finds out about it, and he wants to kill Moses. So Moses goes on the run, he becomes a fugitive, and he literally lives in, in total obscurity for 40 years, hiding out. 40, at this point of, of the story, he's 80 years old. He has pretty much written himself off. He doesn't believe God can use him again. He's made way too many mistakes. He's a murderer. He's, he's wanted, all of those things. And he's living in this obscure life as a shepherd. He's in the middle of nowhere one night, tending the sheep. He's pretty much figured out God can never use me again. I'm an old man. I've made my mistakes. I guess this is my lot in life. But God hadn't finished with him. There is a burning bush. And he goes and realizes that the bush is not being, you know, it's not, it's not, uh, you know, it's not being consumed. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not consuming the thing. It's just there. And he's like, well, that's strange. And then God starts speaking to him through the burning bush. 
And God says, Moses, I've got a call in your life. I want you to go back to, to Egypt. I want you to tell the Pharaoh to let my people go. Now, Moses is struggling because, again, his self-esteem is zero at this point. And so he comes up with all the excuses. He basically says, I'm not qualified to do it. First thing he says, here's the first thing he says when God says, I want you to do this. He says, who am I? So he didn't understand who he was. He didn't know his identity. Who am I? In other words, who's going to listen to me? I'm, I'm nobody. I don't even know who I am myself. Who am I? Then he says, what am I going to tell them? What am I going to say to these people? I'm going to go to the Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, and I'm going to say, what? And then he says, what if, what if he doesn't listen? And finally, he goes, he says, I, I, I'm not a good speaker. I have a speech impediment. I just, I get tongue-tied. I can't do this. And finally, he just says, find somebody else. But God said, no, you're the man. You're the guy. And here's what I'm going to do. When they ask those questions, here's what I want you to tell them. You tell them I am sent you. You tell them I am sent you. In other words, God said, you're going to my authority. It's not about you. It's not about what you look like. It's not about what you can't do. It's about what I'm calling you to do. Listen, there are some of us in this room today have, have kind of written ourselves off because we've made some mistakes. And we basically run from God or we've run from circumstances or whatever it is. And we're just now just kind of like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. God hasn't forgotten you. God has a plan. You're not defined by your mistakes. Your identity is not those things you've done. He knows you and he's got a plan for your life. He looks at the inside. You remember King David before he was a king? Uh, he, there was a king named Saul. He was the first king of Israel. But he wasn't God's man. He was the people's man. And God said, I've got another man. So he calls the, the, the prophet Samuel, and he says, go to Jesse. One of his sons is going to be the next king, and I want you to anoint him as the next king of Israel. And, and so Samuel goes and finds Jesse, knocks on the door and says, hey, God sent me, and one of your sons is going to be the next king. Jesse says, come on in. He says, okay, bring out your sons. So he brings out the first son, the oldest son, the good-looking son, the big son, the, the one that looked like he should be the king, right? It looked, physically, he looked like the guy. And here's what it says. It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart, the inner you. Spend more time in the inner you than the outer you. God looks at the heart. And then Samuel would go, okay, this is not the guy. What about, and Jesse brings out son after son. And each time God says, that's not the one. Finally, there's none left. And, and now Samuel's like, there's not, you don't, this is it. You got, you got no more. And Jesse says, you know, come to think of it, there is one missing. Uh, David, I mean, he's a nobody. David, that's, that's, the, that's the run of the litter. He's, he's the nobody. He's out tending sheep. I forgot about him because he didn't look like a king. But if you want him to come in, I'll bring him in. Calls him in. God says, that's the man. That's the guy. Because God looks at the heart. Remember what God called David? A man after God's own heart. God looks at the inner. If you want to find your identity, start working on the inner you more than the outer you. That's, that's for, for most of us, that's what we struggle with. We convince ourselves God couldn't use me. It's impossible. I've made too many mistakes. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough experience. 
I'm too old, I'm too young, whatever it is, we've got a list of things why God can't use us. And God said, just forget about all that. I've got my hand in your life, but you, what you need to do now is just kind of relinquish control and turn it over to me and watch what I can do in your life. Let me give you the third thing, and this is the thing that really matters, okay? This is, this is where you're going to find your identity. And last week, Pastor Kevin said, um, he said, we're going to say this week after week in different ways. Well, here's this way, this week's, okay? You will discover who you are when you embrace whose you are. You will discover who you are when you embrace whose you are. When you discover your worth, right, that God has for you, when you discover whose you are and how important he, you are to, to God, that's when you're going to discover who you are. In Proverbs, uh, excuse me, in Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to go back, I'm going to kind of circle back to what I talked to you about earlier about the Apostle Paul. Remember the guy, the B.C. life? And he said, I thought this was so important. He gave all the pedigree. I was, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I was a Pharisee. I was all these things. Remember what he said? I used to think that was so important. That was, that's, where I put my, that's where I found my identity before I met Jesus. But then he's going to write now, he's going to finish the statement. He said, I once thought those things were valuable. Those old, that my, all of my accomplishments, I once thought that's where I found my identity. That's what I thought was valuable. But now, now that I'm a follower of Jesus, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. All the stuff that he thought, that he tried to find his identity, trying to find his purpose, he just poured himself into that. And then he met Jesus. And he said, now it's different. All that stuff is like garbage compared to what I, now what I have. I, I'm on this mission for God I'm, that I have my true identity in Christ. And, and that's where I find it. Listen, some of you today that are, that are struggling with this thing because of some mistakes, let me tell you something. Don't put a period where God has put a comma. He wants to use your life, and he'll move beyond those mistakes. In Ephesians chapter 1, again, Paul writes this, talking about our identity. He says, even before, listen to this because it's so good. Even before he made the world, God loved us, and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. And when you believed in Christ, that's not just a mental acknowledgement, that's placed your faith in Jesus Christ. When you believed in Christ, he identified you. There's your identity. He identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. There's a lot said there. There's a whole message in that. But what he's saying is, look, here's what God did. Before the beginning of time, God knew you. And God called you and chose you and loved you. And he was fully aware of all the mistakes that we would make. But he chose that, and he chose you. And what you need to do is now place your faith in Christ. Because he said, when you, when you, when, when you believed in Christ, 
He identified you as, own, as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. When you place your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into you, living your life. The Spirit of God lives in you. That, that identifies you as one of his own. That's where you're going to find your identity. There's nowhere else. When, when, when Jesse was bringing his sons in before Samuel and saying, I, I, I don't know which one it is. I don't know. And then when he brings David, he's probably thinking to himself, this can't be the one. I mean, his own dad's probably thinking, I, not him. And yet that was the one God chose. Don't disqualify yourself from what God wants to do in your life. Don't give up on yourself. God hasn't given up on you. Don't, don't cancel what God wants to do in your life because you've made mistakes. Turn to him, the one who died for your mistakes. This is the whole message of, of, of Christianity is that we don't have to live in, in the shadow of our past that we can, have a, we can be new creations in Christ and find our true identity in Christ. So let me ask you this question as we close. Who are you? Who are you? Not your name, not your, not, your, not your description, not your accomplishments, not what you do, what you don't do, not by your mistakes, not what others said about you, but who are you inside? Who are you? And if you haven't figured that out, give your life to Jesus. Because that's where you're going to find your identity by the one who created you, the one who has called you, the one who has chosen you, and the one who loves you. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you do not give up on us. If you did, none of us could, none of us could be in this room before you. We'd all have, we'd all have to leave. And I'd, I'd have to start the procession and leave because we're all sinners. We all make mistakes. We all do things we shouldn't do. We rebel against you. And, and God, that separates us from you. But you made a way where there was no way by sending Jesus because of your love for us. And you knew us before time began. And you chose us. So God, I pray that people will respond to you today, that today would be the day of their salvation, the day that they would find their true identity, the day that they would say, I'm not going to live in the shadow of my past any longer because Jesus came and he died for me. So if that's you today, and you've been living under that shame and the guilt of your mistakes and you've disqualified yourself and, and, and you've, you've had all the excuses of why, why God couldn't use you anymore. Today, would you just forget all of that? Would you just place your faith in Jesus Christ, the one who loved you enough to die for you? Just to give control of your life and saying, I'm not going to try to do this anymore. I'm not going to try to find myself in, in all of these other things, but only in Christ. And if that's what you'd like to do today, maybe offer a prayer like this as a commitment of your heart. Lord Jesus, today, right here, right now, place my faith in you. I believe in you. I trust in you. I believe you came to this earth and you died on a cross for my sins and you rose again in victory, And I place my faith in you today and I will commit my life to follow you because I want to, I want to really discover who 
you created me to be. I want to discover my identity. So please, Lord, save me today. God, for others in this room, we've, we've, we've already been walking with you, but we still don't really understand our identity. We're still tra- chasing these other things, hoping that we'll, we'll make a name for ourselves. And I just pray that today we realize that if we'll work on the inner us more than the outer us, that things will change. It will change us. It will change others around us. So God, move miraculously in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.